When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Utah Man Podcast, bringing you the latest news and analysis for your Utah Utes. Now, your hosts, Cameron, Ryan, and Scott. Welcome on into the Utah Man Podcast on this episode. The Utes lay the smackdown on the Arizona State Sun Devils, and we're joined by BT from the dog pod to kind of help break down this Washington Husky team, give us his insight of it. I'm Cameron and we got Ryan. What's up, Ute Nation? And Scott. What's up, boys? I'm I'm still hoarse from the the game on Saturday. <laughs> I was gonna say Ryan or Scott, you sound a little under the weather. Just a tad. It's a good thing it's a good thing we're uh um, we're keeping a safe distance uh, away from each other. Proper Sorry. protocols. Maybe you caught it from the ASU team. They seemed a little bit under the weather on Saturday, too. I think if I was going to catch anything from ASU, it would not be COVID, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Utah gets the big win, 55-3. to three. Who saw that coming? Oh, I think that's the score I picked last week. i mean i picked utah by 14 i thought that was like going out on a limb that that was the utah team i think we all expected to see this year but with with a healthy rising with a healthy keithy with you know all of our starters still on the field that was i mean but it was great to see nonetheless I don't think anybody saw that coming, but I think it sent it sent a very clear message of how that team responded from that that bad loss. They were not happy. They 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 came out with something to prove from the get go, and you could see it from both offensively, defensively. Um, just kind of seemed like a, a refocused team. Can I just say I love the up tempo they started with the game? Yeah, it was good. That was nice. It was it was it was a game late, but yes, it was it was nice to see. <laughs> well, I know Barnes talked about you know they saw when they went up tempo against Oregon, you know, right before um, halftime, and they were able to march down the field and ended up having to kick a field goal because of, of time. Uh, they really watched that and saw what the defense was doing, and, and thought, hey, we got to start doing this more. So their opening play, or opening drive, eight plays, seventy-two yards. Uh, but really, I, I and then I love how in the game they could pull that tempo back. They could kind of mix it in when they need to, kind of dial it back. Uh, it's a big weapon, and you know I know maybe Ludwig has taken some lumps and some hits from the fan base, and maybe from the Oregon Ducks fan base over the years. Uh, but I I got to give him credit. Hey, all the hey, injuries. hey, with with all with all the injuries, uh, he is you know trying to get this team in positions to be successful. So you got to give him credit for that. 
you know, Kyle, Kyle mentioned today that after that Oregon game, both Morgan and Ludwig kind of hit reset on uh, their approach and some of the things that they were doing. And uh, I mean, obviously, ASU, they, they're, a, they're a two win football team. So you can't take too much from this, but they have been playing teams pretty close. I mean, they, they, they had Oregon on the ropes or excuse me, Washington on the ropes. Um, you know, they've been playing better as of late. Um, so it's still, it's still a step in the right direction, but now when you're going up against an elite team in Washington, we're going to see if, if maybe those resets, those different approaches that both, uh, both, uh, sides of the ball took, um, if it can stick defensively, I think it can, um, you know, I don't think you're going to see, um, you know, another real bad performance from, uh, from the defense. It's, it's uh, my question is whether or not the offense can continue to be productive, um, against good teams. And I think that's kind of the million dollar question with this team is can their offense stay consistent? Cause it kind of seems like it's, you never know what type of Utah offense you're going to get depending on the day. It appeared during the game, and then I think Whittingham confirmed it afterwards that it looks like they had expanded what the plays they were able to run with uh, Barnes at quarterback. So it just it wasn't the same basic offense that we'd seen recently, uh, which is nice. I mean, he's gotten a little more experience, and and maybe some of that had to do with that reset that Scott was talking about, but. Um, you know, if if the playbook's a little bit more available to him and to the offense, I mean, that's great because what we saw earlier just wasn't cutting it. So, so my question is, if JJ can't go, you now have you have very limited weapons. Um, you know, we don't know if we're going to have Vaki. Um, you know, playing anything offensively at the running back position. But if JJ can't go, you're going to need Vaki. I don't know that that we have the horses at running back without JJ or Vaki to really be productive and give enough through the run game to, to help and offset Barnes. So I think, man, JJ and Vaki's health is pivotal for, I think, for Utah to have a chance in this game. Well, we kind of saw Utah had that situation against Oregon State. Uh, Jacone Jackson didn't play. And granted that Nate Johnson was the starting quarterback in that game. But you were relying on Jalen Glover to really be the guy in Oregon State. I don't know if he's ready to, to make that step. And it's kind of been a little disappointing. He, oh, for sure, he's been disappointing from this, at least from the the aspect that we, or the expectations that we had of him coming into the season. But he did look good this week. Uh, he got some opportunities after Jackson went out after he kind of re-injured his ankle. But hey, again, you have to take that with a grain of salt because. It's an ASU defense that was uh, not playing well, and we're going to be playing a completely different defense this coming weekend. Yeah, but I mean, Washington, they score a ton of points, but they kind of give up a ton of points, too. They're, they're, not, they're not the Washington defense under, under Peterson. Um, they're, they're definitely just not the same. So 
there is opportunities for Utah to go out and put some points up on the board. Kyle Whittingham says today in the press conference, you know, we're going to have to score a lot of points to beat these guys. And so um, with what they're able to do, with what Washington's able to do offensively, they're going to put points on. So can Utah match that or can Utah, I mean, can we, can Utah put 30 plus points on the road at UW? Uh, I'm a little skeptical. No, I mean, I definitely agree. And that's why I say, like, you never know what kind of offensive output you're going to get with this team. Are you going to get the team that showed up against USC? And yes, USC is is not that great defensively, and their defensive coordinator was fired uh, this this week. But that was still a, a different offense than we saw against Oregon and a different offense that we saw against Arizona State. And I think that's what worries me going into Washington is you, you just do not know what this offense is going to look like. What's it going to do? And Scott, you bring up Jackson if he's not able to go. You know, one thing I did like uh, in this ASU game is your boy, Dijon Stanley, he got a little run. Yeah, buddy. In the backfield. Dijon. I, I, I like that. I, and if Vaki is, is, is dinged up and, and can't play both ways, I think Stanley's a, a great option to try to help carry some of that workload uh, with running the ball. Well, and, and I think I think the, the, the I think Utah's going to have to get pretty creative this week. Um, I would not be surprised to see Nate Johnson um, have a big part of the ga- game plan. Whether that's Wildcat, whether that's him playing the running back position, um, I think I think Whittingham, well Ludwig's especially, is just going to have to get creative on on new wrinkles. Something that maybe Washington's not expecting, they haven't seen, um, that can create some some big uh, chunk plays, some some scoring opportunities. Because I mean, points are going to be at a premium in this game, and so um, it's gonna it's gonna be important. But Nate Johnson, with that speed, Dijon Stanley, his speed, you've got to you've got to see what you can do. I don't think either one of those guys can take the full load by any means. But with their speed, maybe getting around the edges, um, sparking some things, I think, I think, I think we see something like that. I think we're gonna have to. I mean, I agree with all that, but I think you've got to take some shots down the field too and utilize Vele and McLean. I mean, that catch McLean had in sweet. the end zone was unbelievable, and Vele is coming on the last couple of weeks, so. You know, stretch the field, give those guys some opportunities, and that that'll also help open up the run game if you can if you can throw that ball down the field. Yeah, I mean, cr- credit to Vele, man. He is he has come on strong, and until a team takes him away, you just got to keep feeding him the ball. You got to give him ten ten targets a game um, because he's getting open, and he's kind of one of the only. Um, I mean, at least in that ASU game. We really only had three three pass catchers out in routes almost a majority of the time, and uh, from the wide receiver position, it was primarily Money Parks and Vele. So it, it it definitely feels like Ludwig, whether this is due to production, whether it's due to injuries, he's definitely kind of shortened um, the rotation at wide receiver. 
Um, he's really sticking with Vele, keeping Vele on the field, keeping Money Parks on the field, um, and and kind of working it from there. But uh, yeah, keep feeding Vele the ball until somebody proves they can stop him. All right, let's talk about the pig farmer, Bryson Barnes, 19 of 28, 161 yards, four touchdown passes, and zero interceptions. That's the big, especially coming off of an, an Oregon game where he throws two interceptions. Way, way to bounce back uh, from Barnes. And you know, Winningham talked about, and the team talked about, Oregon, not letting Oregon beat them twice. Uh, I think that was a big key in this game was, was Barnes protecting that ball, keeping those drives alive i i do want to call out i want to get your guys' thoughts on this so he has the the four touchdown passes utah didn't throw very much in the third quarter there was controversy on twitter by asu fans and by a local reporter here <laughs> that utah ran up the score where are you guys on this wait uh, wait a second who was the local reporter josh newman Oh, that's right. I did see that. Oh, yeah, that was ridiculous. You know, I, I don't know. I It was fourth down. You're not going to kneel it because then you just give them the ball. Not that it matters one way or the other, but you're running your second, third string guys. I mean, the guy, the running backs, your fourth string running back, they've run the same play the last five or six times. If ASU can't stop it, so be it. You're not running up the scores. I don't think they've yeah. passed the ball since halfway through the third quarter. Well, what do you want them to do? Take a knee? Yeah. I, with six, with six, seven minutes left in the fourth, you just want them to take knees? No, I don't, I don't have a problem with it. And I don't, and I don't, I did not look at it as running up the score. Even, even Dillingham made a comment about it after the game and basically said, it's he didn't have an issue with it, and it's his his team's job to stop stop them from scoring, and they didn't do it. Yeah, he even said if Utah wanted to throw at the end of the game, he didn't have a problem with it because they he just figured they were trying to work things out with what was their their second or their their backup quarterback right now. So it's it's interesting that he had those comments. Scott, where are you on this? You know, boys, we live in a soft world where everybody is just looking to be offended by everything. And, uh, hey, if a fourth stringer offends you by running it down your throat on a dive play, that's on you. So, no, there's nothing wrong with it. Um, Newman and everybody else can go deal with it, boys. I mean... There's nothing. There was nothing out of line in that regard. ASU played terrible. Utah played really well. Um, it is what it is. I. I mean, it's sports. You deal with it. Maybe it'll light a fire under ASU if if they if they really take took it personally. But you know, we'll see if they took it personally because <laughs> we'll see him again next year. <laughs> New conference. Same opponent. Yay to the Big 12. Woo! Uh, let's talk about Kenny Dillingham real quick. Leading up to this game, he had a lot of great things to say about Kyle Winningham 
and about Utah and the culture and the type of program Utah is and how he wants to mirror that and build that same thing down at Arizona State. As a Utah fan, you know, I appreciate that. I, you know, it's, it's always nice to get recognition uh, for the program and for Kyle. But, fellas, if I'm an ASU fan, I would be like, shut up. Like, we're not Utah. Like, don't, if, you, if that's what you want to do, go coach at Utah. Like, build your own culture, build your own program down here at ASU. Uh, maybe I'm up in the night, but I think I'd be bugged. I mean, from from a Utah's perspective, it's great. Um, I mean, uh, J- Jet Fish down at Arizona, um, when he took over, he made similar comments how he wanted to build a program that you know similar to ha- what Kyle's done. You have him doing it. Heck, now you have Kalani Sataki basically hiring people uh, that can try and duplicate what Utah's doing. Um, it's 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 a compliment because Utah's built something. The people have taken notice of and they want. And uh, so from that perspective, it's awesome. It's well-deserved for Kyle and what he's built here. Um, from an ASU perspective, I don't know. I don't know that I would be offended. I mean, it's true. You look at Utah. They're the new guys on the block and they won back-to-back top 12 titles. Um, does, not, does ASU not want that? No, but okay. What if Kyle came out today and said, "Yo, I want to build what Washington has. I want to build what USC has. I want to build what UCLA has." I'd be like, "Why? That's not us." I think that's a little bit different because, I mean, Dillingham's—he—he's young and just kind of starting to come up in in the coaching ranks. And yes, he's a—he's already a head coach, but I mean. Whittingham being one of one of the longest, if not longest, tenured head coaches in the nation, has built a reputation and a program that I think a lot of people would like to emulate. And Whittingham, in in his state of his career right now, there's no way he's going to say, "I want to build a program like so and so or like so and so." But these younger guys that recognize what Whittingham has built I think I think that's that's a compliment to the program and I don't think that's anything to shy away from if you if you're if you want to build something that's been successful I I mean look look what ASU fans have dealt with since we've been in the conference they've had numerous coaches they had uh, you know Todd Graham and he had a couple of years of success other than that he was awful um, he stole signs. He had that uh, Britney Spears microphone that was embarrassing by itself. Um, then they bring in, um, oh, who was it? Uh, Herm. Her, oh, Herm. Herm. Yeah, they bring in Herm. And, you know, they restructure everything where he's like the CEO and blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, they have, they had, they kind of start to have success and it fell apart so quickly. Scandal set the program back i think from an asu fan base perspective they look at that and go yeah utah's good year in and year out like we want that like we're tired of this nonsense we're tired because asu recruits itself it's you know 18 year old dudes kind of are interested in going to asu because there's a lot of beautiful co-eds down there 
and it's great weather. It's a great location. Um, so, and they have bikini parties for their recruits. <laughs> yes, yes, amongst other things. And and so, if you can win there, you're going to be able to recruit at a very high level. They should be they should be able to do that. And if you got a coach in there that could win consistently, um, and Dillingham's from there, so you know he may stay even with success. I think I think from an ASU perspective, you're all in on it. Yeah, give give me Kyle. Let's go. You you left out the early years of us in the Pac-12 with with Erickson, who had Osweiler as the quarterback, who pretty much destroyed us every time we saw him. <laughs> that is true. That is true. I forgot uh, I forgot our boy Dennis Erickson before he came to the correct side of things and started. <laughs> Um, bringing uh, the boys from Florida up here, but yeah, but you're right. It was. It's been a in the twelve years they've had what four head coaches. So, um, yeah, I can see why why a co- young coach would want to build something like Whittingham. And I, and honestly, yeah, you don't want to look at your you know, a rival or a conference foe is, as someone to emulate necessarily. But if you want a winning program, I would do it. I, I mean, I see your guys' point and I think it's valid. And again, like as a Utah fan, like I think it's cool um, that someone outside of the footprint of Utah is, is publicly acknowledging what Kyle has built. I guess where I'm taking it is, like just think when McBride got hired, when what if McBride was came on and said, "I want, I want to build a program like Lavelle. I, I that's what I want. I want us to be." I think we would have taken it at that down time. South two point <laughs> <laughs> No, I just from a fan base, I just I'm like, do your do your own thing. If you want to, if you if you want to be Utah, then go coach at Utah. Yeah, but you know what, Cam? I mean, sports is the biggest copycat deal. You know, if if, if one team is successful doing something within a few years, everybody's doing it. And whether it's coaching, whether it's scheme, it doesn't matter. It's just it, everybody copies each other. And Whittingham's, Whittingham has what most programs and most coaches want. And that's stability. That's consistency. You know, everybody's going to want some of that. No, and, and definitely on the on the coaching standpoint um with the security from assistant coaches uh there was one assistant coach that i talked to years ago and he said he'd do anything to be able to get under kyle just to have that security of knowing year in and year out he's got a job so i i get that maybe i'm being a little a little oversensitive about it but i just thought it was thought it was a little weird all right turning the attention over the defense in this game Scott, you mentioned the defense was just lights out. Holding former Cougar, Jacob, I have a bad comb over. Five of 22. <laughs> I have a bad comb over. His, his comb over is probably better than his, his passing in the game. Five of 22. I mean, it was so bad. At one, they, they had their running back in there playing quarterback. He was awful. Yeah, I mean, and the running back, I mean, it looked like we were out, like, doing a, a pickup game playing flag football. And 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 Conover wasn't any better. I mean, 
it was clear ASU had no confidence in him whatsoever, which is which is saying something considering he he was lucky enough to be under the tutelage of A Rod, the <laughs> AKA the QB whisperer, um, for for the for a number of years to to see him, you know, be that bad of a quarterback under uh, under that tutelage was was something to behold to behold maybe. My my favorite was the roll out to the right and throw across your body off your back foot <laughs> for for the battle interception yes <laughs> so so i i sat behind the asu bench for this game and literally nobody on the asu team would talk to conover like he would just wander back and forth nobody would come up to him nobody would put their arm around him no, nope. like the whole game, or just after that pick? No, the whole game, the whole <laughs> game is. And I mean, it was because early on he had the headset on because he was obviously not playing. But shortly after, uh, was it Burgett goes down? He gets thrown in there. He takes off the headset, and every time they'd come off the field, everybody's huddled together, and he's just there. He'd like try and get in on a conversation, and then the two guys would just walk away, and he'd just be left standing there. It was it was kind of interesting. I was like, I don't think anybody on this team likes this guy. Well, when you go five of twenty two, I don't think too many people are going to be talking to you. No. Did they ever say what the injury was on the starting quarterback? Was it a knee or ankle? I I did not hear say or uh, hear or see anything on that. Okay, the other thing on that, another uproar, and I I get it. I shouldn't let fans on Twitter get under my skin. But the fact that ASU fans were trying to claim that that was a dirty hit, that Utah was trying to injure Borgay. Oh, seriously? I know I didn't see any of that. They really said or that? Borgay, whatever his name is. Yeah. And I was just like, it, it was just Cam, a I'm, tackle in the backfield. I'm a little offended you called him Borgay. <laughs> What is it? Is it Borgay, Borget? Well, I don't know. Is the T silent? <laughs> okay, it's saying he is day-to-day. I, if ASU played today, he would not play. Uh, uh, the there's no about. way that's a dirty hit. I mean, I, I only saw the replay once. It didn't It didn't look dirty to me, but it wasn't my quarterback either, so... I think it probably it was just unlucky that the way he the way he went down and just tweaked something. I don't think there was any malicious intent to it. No, no. Uh, the other big stat of the day that I absolutely love and would love if Utah can do this against Washington, holding Arizona one of sixteen on third down. I'll tell you, man. The defense came out with something to prove. They played. They played lights out. It was that's the type of Utah defense, man, where they're just flying to the ball. They're playing with attitude, and and we typically see that. You know, it's it, for whatever reason it was not there against Oregon, but um, but I mean, let's be honest, this is going to be a completely different test uh, with Penix and the wide receivers that UW has. Um, and and they've got a good running game too, so they're 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 very good offensively. It's going to be a tough task, but the defense 
that, that's a good omen going into this game. Oh yeah, way to shake off kind of that disappointing play against Oregon. Um, kind of mentioned this last week on on the podcast that I think it was nice to kind of get ASU in uh, right now before they go to Oregon, able to kind of work out uh, their issues, both offensively and especially defensively, because that Oregon game was just horrendous. Uh, another big thing, key takeaway, we saw a true freshman get quite a bit of run on defense, and Kyle was singing his praises, snowed in, got a lot of reps at DB. Hey, he looked good out there. Yeah, he, he he's bigger than I thought. Um, I mean, I, I kind of thought he was just kind of this little dude, but he's he's got some bulk to him. Uh, one interesting kind of tidbit out of the presser with Winningham uh, is he said that next season they'll look to move to Tao Johnson to outside corner or even free safety, uh, which will allow Smith Snowden uh, more time on the field. I mean, that's it, it's it's cool. It's great because here's a guy that was very highly rated, highly recruited. Um, and after his first real first game playing defensive snaps, Kyle is just singing his praises and already talking about, you know, moving uh, Johnson to get him to be able to get Snowden on the field more. And, and, that, and I think that even speaks volume because, I mean, Tao Johnson's a great athlete and that's, I mean, for him to get moved for Smith Snowden, I think it just, it just says a lot about him. You know, get get your best playmakers on the field. I mean, I think that also tells you that Bishop will not be back next year, which I think we all kind of figured anyways. But, um, man, that, that's the beautiful thing about Utah's too deep right now. There's not a lot of upperclassmen, a lot of youth. I mean, outside of Miles Battle you're, and, uh, and uh, Broaden, I believe, you're bringing pretty much everybody back on that defense. So um, young and good and a lot of depth behind it, which we've seen this year with injuries, right? And so – and I think, you know, Kyle mentioned they're, they're not going to recruit a big class this year because they want to leave a number of spots for transfers um, through the portal. Um, and I think Utah's going to continue to be aggressive through the portal, whether that's at the linebacker position and, and to kind of meet some of these needs. And um, But, man, we're in, we're in a great spot. Speaking of defensive players, I noticed that uh, one of the backup linebackers who we've talked about on this po- on this podcast before is seen a little action on the offensive side of the ball at fullback, Mister Hayden yeah, that, Fury. That was uh, that was interesting to see. He, I think, uh, unfortunately for Hayden, kind of had uh, the one downer from uh, from the defense with that late hit, which gave ASU a first down late in the game. Morgan Morgan pulled him after that. And then um, basically undressed him on the sideline. He was he was so upset with that play, and I don't think Fury came back in after that. But uh, but yeah, you know, hey, let's go, let's get a linebacker and a fullback. Let's uh, let's bust some heads, baby. The defense essentially pitched a shutout because that field that lone field goal they got came off of a bad special teams play. Uh, the special teams. All right. We've seen a lot of praises on the offense, even more on the defense. Special teams was terrible. Just flat out terrible. Yes, Ryan, that 
that return, they was they, they were able to get a field goal out of it. Utah missed a field goal in that game. And then they had a punt return that only got called back on a holding call, and the hold really wasn't even part of the play. Like, the guy that got held wasn't even near the runner. Utah got lucky on that. But, yeah, special teams, the big downer in this game. Wolf, wolf special teams. We just we just can't have a full year of just consistently good special teams, can we? Nope, we can't. It's been, it's been better than last year or the last couple of years, but it still has not been consistent for sure. All right, so that kind of do our thoughts of the Utah-Arizona State game. The biggest question I have after this game is how much of it was Utah and how much was it of Arizona State just playing poor? And was it a combination of both? I, I don't know. Um, I think we'll, we'll know maybe a little bit more this coming week as Utah takes on Washington. Uh, we're going to sit down with BT uh, from the Dog Pod, kind of get his perspective uh, on this Washington Husky team, kind of get his insight of it. Uh, we're up against a break, uh, so when we come back, we'll sit down and talk to BT. All right, Utah fans, super stoked, super stoked for this sit down with BT from the Dog Pod. Uh, we've had BT on a couple times. The you know their show has come out to Salt Lake. Uh, had a great show at Gracie's. I remember a couple years mm-hmm. ago we went and hung out there with you guys. But welcome back. It's been it's been a few years since Utah and, and Washington has have have played. So it's always great to have you on. Appreciate you coming on. Love being back. And uh, you know, unfortunately, the last year as you know, Pac-12 rivals or as Pac-12 anything. I mean, um, you know, and I'm all I definitely have my my Big Twelve cheering interest for you guys moving forward but um this is going to be the last the last one so we got to go out big i know it's kind of bittersweet but definitely and we'll get into the big 10 because i want to get your thoughts on that we'll hit on that um but to kind of start off with with washington you know they're getting a lot of uh, a lot of attention and and praise rightfully so for their throw game and, and Penix jr amazing quarterback lighting it up I think one part of the offense maybe that isn't getting a lot of at least attention outside of Seattle is, is the running game. Mm-hmm. Can you kind of talk to kind of talk to us and and Utah fans about Washington's running game and and kind of who was that lead running back for them? Yeah, it's been really interesting and this is one in which um I was really worried about it when we had the season-ending injury to to Cam Davis who was really our go-to um you know last last year um or who we, at least we thought was going to be our scariest, me our go-to this year coming in, and 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 he's out for the year, and we didn't really know, uh, you know, too much, you know, about Dylan Johnson, the transfer from Mississippi State, um, and we had some other guys that we still looked at, Will Nixon, um, you know, Tybo Rogers, who've gotten a little bit of time, but, but um, you know, DJ Dylan Johnson, he's really taken uh, the you know the 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 mantle and. It's been pretty incredible what he's done so far. If you look at even the last couple of games, even obviously in SC, I mean, shoot, he, we had more, he had more 
rushing yards than Penix had uh, passing in USC. And, you know, USC's defense is, is, is susceptible, but um, he had 199 yards before contact. So, you know, you might think how much of that is defensive scheme by SC where their defensive coordinator gets fired and how much of that is really offensive line coming together. But, um, you know, he's been quite good. And the offensive line, I think we lost some key pieces last year. And the the issue with it, I think, where when, it, when they're all healthy, I like that starting group. You know, I like Brailsford at center. I really liked it left side with Fauton and Kalepo. On the other side, Buello has been great. Roger Rosengarten, I think he's been fine. When they go down is when you see things um, really fall apart. And that's kind of what you saw against ASU where we couldn't run the ball. Stanford, where we've had problems. Where the Hatchet brothers, who are a bit younger, you know, you have a true freshman who's coming in and playing. It really falls apart. Uh, and then the running game really suffers. So it really is contingent upon, I think, two things. is one that starting five on the offensive line being healthy. And then the second thing, obviously, is the passing game, you know, continually to take pressure and, and, and pull some of that secondary and the linebackers back a little bit. And then Dylan can go to work. But, um, you know, what he did against SC, you know, he had a 100-yard game against Oregon. That was great. But the game against SC was his real breakout game. Looking at Penix, I'm getting a lot of national recognition, mm-hmm. He is on a lot of people's Heisman list, and Mm -hmm. rightfully so. The kid's balling out. Is it the success he's having? Is it mostly him? Is it the system? Is it the talent around him? Is it kind of a combination? Kind of of break down where you feel how he's exceeding. It's a good question. I I don't think he's getting the, um, you know, the NFL scouting love that, um, that he deserves. And I think, you know, he, right now they're predicting him as like, you know, is he a second rounder? Is he later? What is he? Um, and, and that kind of stuff changes as you get closer to NFL draft. But I do think he's a proven winner. He's got an incredible talent. I mean, look at how quick the ball comes off of his left arm. It's just, it's really incredible. Particularly, you know, he, he was, had, a, had the flu during the ASU game. The Stanford game wasn't feeling well. And I think those were his sort of harder games. But when it's coming together, I mean, he does have weapons um, with Roma Dunze, JP, you know, Jalen Polk, um, losing McMillan has really hurt in my opinion, you know, and, and, and there were the first couple of games, particularly in the Michigan state game until he got hurt, where there was people questioning whether was Jalen McMillan, your one, or was Roma Dunza, your one, you know, who was actually the better receiver. And when Jalen's gone down and it doesn't look like he's going to play this week and he may, he may be out for two, three weeks. Um, you know, if they're going to try to shut him down for a little bit, you've seen others come on where Jalen Polk has been that true number two. And then after that, it's, you know, it's, a, it's, it's, kind of between Giles Jackson, the Michigan transfer who just came back against Oregon, and then Jeremy Bernard, who you know, went to Michigan State, was a home product who transferred back. And so there, there are a lot of weapons. Um, and the system is the system, right? Um, Penix would not have done this under John Donovan. I, I can't even like say those two together. But like he, wouldn't have, he would not have been able to do this under that system. So part of it is this Ryan Grubb where, you know, I think we've got him for a year. I think this is the year. I think he's gone next year. I don't think he, you know, turns down an Alabama OC job or a head coaching job again. Um, I think he came back for kind of one special year within the system. But I think Penix is a real, um, for us, you know, we're not talking about him, at least as Husky fans of like, you, you can't have a conversation about the greatest Husky quarterback and not put him in there at this point. You know, if, if, I mean, for... From an outsider's perspective, I mean, he's phenomenal. And his starting career um, was Indiana, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, he his freshman year kind of came on the scene in Indiana. Um, but just from an outsider's perspective, like his growth 
over his college career, I think, I think has just been phenomenal. Um, super jealous of the quarterback play at Washington. I think with Cam Rising being gone mm-hmm, all yeah. season for Utah, we would we would give anything <laughs> to have even half of what you're getting up there. Uh, you know, looking at this this Washington roster, um, you know, seeing some injuries today, mm-hmm. I think starting safety might be out. You mentioned wide receiver. Kind of what's the health uh, with the Huskies right yeah, now? Yeah, um, it is tough, I think. So you've got a few that have just come back and had limited reps. So we already talked about Jalen McMillan. Um, he's out for this week, and he's getting a second a second opinion um, on his knee from um, the Seahawks training staff. And I think it's going to be a question, is it a week or is it three or is he done? Um, and that and that really hurts because he was def- definitely, in my opinion, your number two weapon. And, and and there were times in those first couple of games when he really did look like he was more of a threat than, than even Rome was. Um, you know, so that like missing him, it really, really hurts. We've had um, Mateo Mele on the offensive line. It's been out for the entire year. So, you know, he, he was someone that I think we were really going to look at. But again, he's been out the whole year. So no real change there. Um, the secondary is where you think things go a little sideways. I guess I could say Tuli Tuli Gasanoa, who you know is our our big defensive line and probably I would say our our best interior defender. Um, I think he played I want to say eight snaps at USC, and so he's back. But you know, are they limiting him and trying to bring him back full time against Utah? I don't know. But if he doesn't play a healthy dose, it worries me because he's he, between him and MJ Ali, Jacob Vandis, Fatui Tuli He's Tuli is the best by far. You know, the senior there and and he was out for a few games and again played eight snaps against uh against SC. So that one I think has been tough. And in the secondary is where it just gets a little it gets so dicey because you have you know, Asa Turner, he's already been ruled out for this week. He started with a hand injury and he's playing with a club, which as your safety when you're playing with a club, it limits things, but he's such a sure product tackle, they let him in. And they had a shoulder injury and then he was in a boot. So, you know, we're not gonna have him for this week, and I don't know if we get him back. Um, Cameron Fabiculano and people call Cam Fab. He played, I think it was six snaps this week against SC, you know, and he was out, um, two weeks prior, but you saw it was real dicey with, and then Vincent Nunley was non-injury related, allowed to rejoin the team. I, I don't even know if they're using those words, but he's back. And again, played six snaps against six or eight snaps against SC. So last week you saw corners being pulled back and playing this kind of three corner look where you didn't even really have a deep safety on the field. Cause we didn't have anyone to start. We're down to Mikel esteem and you know, God bless him. Mikel esteem's a sophomore. Um, and, and you know, he's a four, he's a fourth string, right? He's our fourth string safety. And that was our, the best safety we could put on the field two weeks ago. So that like, it, it is a little bit of trouble back there. Um, I think if they're really unleashing Vincent Nunley, and Camp Fab is back to hundred percent, we'll probably be okay without Asa Turner, but he's still, that's your number one, safety asa was the captain of the defense you know not but you know he's a captain on the team but he's also out you know he's out, out calling um you know he's 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 out captaining from the backfield and calling coverage schemes and not having him out there really really hurts as a, as a real senior um you know, so that one's tough and it just kind of depends on you know i don't know if it's going to be give some mix of cam fab and, and vincent nunley if they're going to let him back but that that is probably one of the biggest injuries that we've got it's a little scary i mean you can see obviously like how many yards um sc put up against us the struggles that we had against stanford the struggles that we had against asu so and that, i think that kind of leads me to my next question because looking at washington's defense you know, there have been quite a few games where they've had a lot, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of points, especially to teams like maybe Cal and Stamper mm-hmm. um, and even Arizona, even though Arizona has been playing at, 
much better than I think a lot of people anticipated, especially with the quarterback change there. Uh, and so is it, is that because of the injuries that, that you're, you're speaking of? Is, is the defense kind of allowed these points and these yards because of the injuries or are there other issues? Yeah. Hand, good, do you think it's a good question, Kim. I think, um, there's some games like Cal where I just don't, it doesn't bother me at all. Cause when you look at who Cal put yards and points up against, it was, I mean, there's names that I had to like look through and see, I was like, Oh shoot, when, who, when did this catch on the team? I mean, it was, they were so deep. And, and I think, you know, uh, they're, they're, we're just a little bit more, we were kind of like, Hey, if we're up in third and the fourth and you're pulling all your offensive starters, put in the, put in that, the, you know, the, the um, you know, let's, let's put in some guys that never see the field. And that's who they put up points against in Cal. Uh, ASU and Stanford it worried me because you've got it. Our like our quote unquote like starters are out there getting uh, getting burned. Um, you know, I thought maybe Stanford tried a few things, uh, particularly bodying up Jabbar Muhammad, who's our best lockdown corner, the transfer from Oklahoma State, and they just would put a six four tight end esque, you know, the typical Stanford like quote unquote receiver, but he says like a six four six five tight end and body him up, and it worked. So I mean, there's definitely like this is not the 2016 Husky defense. And that, that's why, like, my preseason prediction was I thought they would lose. They had a, at least a loss in them, probably one loss. I thought, I think I had them going like 11 1, but I thought they had a loss in them. And I hate to say that. I still think they might, you know, and I hope it's not this week. I hope it's not the week after, but like, they're, they're, it's a flawed enough defense that this is just, it's just not. We've seen this before when we had the 2016 team and like what we called like the death row, you know, death row D. They gave themselves that name. And, and it's all those guys that you see, you know, you see in the NFL right now. Who are you know? I, who are playing in, in, incredible, um, but now we just don't have we just don't have that. So and then take on top of that the injuries, and then even against like I said ASU, like the half the team had this like stomach flu or something, um, and it just didn't look good. But you know, so it's a, I think it's a mix of you know talent, particularly in the secondary side, injuries, and then you know it, this is what you got. So. Um, it's just tough. What's the what's the feel of the fan base right now for the Huskies? It's I mean undefeated, yeah. coming off a, a <laughs> big win off USC, and and people can say that hey, it may be a down year for USC. I, I don't care if it's a down year down year or not. Anytime that Utah beats USC, it's big. We love it. So what what's kind of the feel for the fan base, and especially for Utah fans that are traveling up to Seattle? What what's kind of what what should Utah fans kind of expect? It's a different. I haven't out of the fan. I mean, I haven't experienced anything like this. I mean, it was a little bit in 2016, but 2016 was a little bit more of a slow boil. This year, I think coming in, people had some high expectations, um, and 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 they've been surpassed to date. You know that. Uh, you know, I thought the ASU game typically. You know, just as an example, like in, in the ASU game, when a one win team comes into town, um you can scalp tickets for 20 bucks. That's Husky stadium, right? That's what it's always been. If we're our, our worst game, middle of the season night game, you know, a bunch of people have family commitments older, whatever they can't come in. And, and you couldn't find those $20 tickets. They weren't there. And ASU, everybody showed up, you know, in our, our tailgate, I think we, that was the one, you know, we kind of a rotating thing in our tailgate in the South lot of Husky stadium. And I hosted that week. And normally you'd expect, you know, I don't know, 30, 40 people to show up. And I did a count and we were up to 110, 115. So who, who's, you know, people, everyone's showing up. 
no one's missing. Everyone's bringing friends and family. And that's just kind of the fervor around, around, um, around Husky football right now, where we recognize we've, we've, we've had like the Willingham years we've had, I mean, so many of these years that this isn't like, you know, the nineties or whatever, in which you thought, Oh, every year we're going to be a Rose bowl team every year. We're going to be a PAC 12, you know, a PAC 10 contender. The fan base now knows that this is something special and you got to show up for it. And so I would expect this week, 1230 game nationally televised. It's going to be rocking. It's going to be loud. And you guys saw this at SC when you've been to the Coliseum, like, you know, the Coliseum is a Mecca. I could not believe how quiet it was on third down. <laughs> I mean, you could just turn to the person next to you and have a conversation. You know, I, I, I couldn't the believe same thing. I couldn't believe it. I, it just amazes me. And, you know, and, and, you know, they don't have the cantilevered kind of stadium and the domes like we do that helps with noise, but either does, does Utah. And, you know, in Utah, it was, was loud on third down. You guys were loud. And you don't have the numbers, you know, and, and, and other places I've been, I hate to say Oregon as well. Like, they're loud. But, I, you know, it's going to be rocking on Saturday. Like, people understand there's three games left. We have two more home games. Apple Cup is sold out. Apple Cup's going to be insane. But this one is the, if you want to come see this game, you know, people that I know, I'll just say this is kind of anecdotally, but, like, People that I have never known to have any interest in college football at all call because they know, oh, yeah, you, I know you're into UW. Like, wh- how do I get tickets? How do I get tickets to this thing? You know, it's an attraction because it's kind of lightning in the bottle and you've got not only the undefeated season, but the stars, right? The stars, you know, you bring out people as well. And that's what you've got in Penix and others. But it's, it's, it's been great. No, that's great. And I know, I mean, Kyle Winningham mentioned that in his presser today, um, talked about the stadium, just the the unique setting it is next to the lake there it's mm-hmm. beautiful uh, and then the noise and he said they got to prep for that this week mm-hmm. uh really got to you know be able to to run their offense and their defense with that noise and i think that's you know with the inconsistency of utah's offense that kind of makes me a little bit nervous mm-hmm. um before we get into the utah washington game you know, we kind of mentioned at the beginning of this, the move to the Big Ten for Washington, mm-hmm. kind of the Pac-12 going away. Your thoughts, Big Ten, the fan base thoughts, Big Ten, what, what's the feel up there? Yeah, I mean, it's it, part of me, like it's an absolute shame that there isn't West Coast football anymore for, in a conference perspective. And, and, and that really mismanagement by, you know, the Pac-12, by all the university presidents. You know, I don't think there's one that's innocent, in my opinion, couldn't get this thing done and made this thing work. And I think we might have missed it by a year. I think if we had this year, maybe last year, this year's playing. And then obviously, like, what, what, let's be honest, what Dion has done with, you know, the attention that he's brought to the sport and, you know, into, into the Pac-12, maybe we could have saved it. But so much mismanagement that you could make a great movie about this at some point, about how this ran itself into the ground unnecessarily. And that's a travesty because, I mean, you know, for me, like I grew up as a, you know, Pac-10 fan and that there was always this West Coast football and that you had, we had a Pac-North Pac, you know, Pac rivalry. And I thought we made the right move. I was always such a huge fan of bringing in Utah and Colorado and loved what we had in the Pac-12. And to have it just die to me is just ridiculous. But also, I think it's completely inevitable. And you know, at the end, like money rules all in college sports. Um, we had to join. There wasn't a choice. I think if anything, you know, if you look at even us taking a smaller share to go in the Big Ten, and I look around, I'm like, how how Maryland and Rutgers are going to pull more of a share than this drives me nuts. But we did not play a very good poker hand. 
And when USC and UCLA went, I think a lot of fans like me were still sticking around trying to save this thing. And we went until, you know, we're going into this last hand of poker with an offsuit two, three, and there's nothing we could do. We had to, like, we, there wasn't a choice. You know, we had to do this Big Ten thing because otherwise, like, look what's going to happen to Oregon State and Wazoo. If they end up in the Mountain West, it's over. You can't pay your bills. And they have big bills coming due. So you don't really have a choice. But it, to me, it is a travesty. At the same time, you know, like, you got to move forward. You got to move on. And, like, we're going to go to Penn State next year. I'm excited about that. Um, like going to Michigan, I think there's a lot of great rivalries that can start happening and we still get some West coast football with USC, UCLA, and, you know, and, uh, and Oregon, but, um, it is a bummer, but you know, you gotta, you can't be like the old guy, you know, screaming on your lawn for too long. You gotta get out there and just, to, you know, <laughs> move, move forward. Right. Yeah. No, and I think the feel in Salt Lake is very similar. Um, I think everyone wanted the pack 12 just to stay around mm-hmm. and it makes sense. Um, and, and honestly, from a fan base up here, there's, there's not like finger pointing at, at anyone other than the presidents, mm-hmm. like what you said, kind of dropping the ball, um, over the last couple of years, not putting the PAC 12 to be in a position to, to really move forward in the future. I, I will say there may be some jealousy, uh, just because the big 10 is a little bit more prestigious than the big 12. Uh, so mm-hmm. I, from Utah's standpoint, I think, yes. We're happy that we have a home. We're not homeless like Oregon State or Washington State, like you said. Um, but I, I think Utah, maybe a couple years down the road, if it does go to the two super conferences, I think Utah is hoping to get in the Big Ten, uh, just like Washington there. Mm-hmm. Uh, going into this game, you know, what are your thoughts? What are your keys? And, and, and do you have a winner yet in this game between Washington and Utah? Yeah, it... Um... I think it's going to be tough. It's hard to see because, like, I look at what the the what Oregon did to you guys, and was really surprising to me. I th- I thought that would be a, you know a, a closer game, particularly um, in Rice Eccles. Um, you know, but then I think, like you said last week, can kind of show what what Utah can do. Um, and I think when you guys pull, your defense is always going to be one that can can give any team trouble and can give Washington trouble. And, you know, we've shown where we can get it. Like if, if you're going to get into it, like a foot race with us, like USC or whatever, fine. Like we'll, we'll do that. We'll put up 52, but teams that can really, teams that can really shut us down. And, and, you know, I think get panic scrambling is, is kind of, you know, it's easier said than done if you can get the ball quickly, but if you can get him scrambling and get him off his cadence and cause him problems, particularly as ASU was doing when we had the, you know, the, the, um, the, I think the, with our second and third string centers and, and guards, like they went right up the middle and slashed and, and we were just a mess. So I think there is a formula. Like there's definitely a formula for beating us. It's just who can sort of do it. Um, I want the secondary to come together a little bit. And I know without kind of cam rising and, and the team be together, like you don't really have the weapons that you, we thought you guys would have this year. But if the secondary looks like it did against ASU and Stanford and it, at times against SC, it's trouble. Um, it's hard for me to see the Huskies losing this game at home. I don't know what the line is. I think it's going to be a close game, but it's hard for me to envision them then losing this game. Um, the Oregon State game scares me a lot in Corvallis. Um, I think until five weeks ago, I was a little bit worried about the Apple Cup, but they, what, something's going on in, in Pullman that their team has just completely fallen apart at the seams. I think turning out the coach a little bit. But this this one, I think it's going to be a close game, but it's hard for me to, to envision a way that with the way the offense is rolling, that they're healthy, 
coming off the SEC and the way that the, the culture's kind of been built, I think it's going to be a close win, but um, one that I think UW can, can pull, it, uh, pull together. Hi, BT. Thank you so much uh, for joining us. Uh, where can where can Utah fans listen to your stuff? Because I know mm-hmm. there's fans like me that just they want to learn, listen mm-hmm. to Utah's opponent coming up. Where where can Utah fans listen to your stuff? Yeah, so we're um, Dogpod D A W G P O D. Um, gosh, this is year twelve for us now, um, and we'll we'll be recording on Wednesday and you know going through the Utah game and then reliving the SC game a little bit. Um, last week we had Lofa Tatupu on, who is, you know, an SC Seahawks kind of legend talk us through the game. Um, you know, and this week I think we're going to go through Utah in depth and, and give a talk a little bit about Utah history as well and our history and the rivalry, but would love to have Utah fans listen. And like I said, uh, you guys always have, I just was treated so well by you guys, by the Utah pig bus crew and everyone on our trip to Salt Lake city when we were there that, you know, it's one of those fan bases that when those Utah fans are in my section around me, they're, they're going to get a warm welcome. You know, if they're passing by our tailgate, they're going to get a warm welcome because, you know, it was, to me, it was a welcome addition to the conference. And again, we were just treated so well in Salt Lake City. Awesome, BT. Hey, thanks, buddy. Have a great one. All right, thanks, guys. All right, big thank you to BT uh, from the Dog Pod for joining us, kind of giving, you know, giving us his insight of this Husky team. You guys, I, I'm not going to lie. I, I'm kind of nervous about this. Utah traveling up to Seattle, playing, what, the number five ranked team, undefeated. Kind of the inconsistency play from Utah. I, as a Utah fan, I, I'm nervous about this one, fellas. I think you have every reason to be nervous because, I mean, it's going to take a monumental effort for Utah to go on the road and and beat. I mean, UW's kind of been a a stumbling block for Utah since we've been in the Pac-12. You know, we've we've won a couple of times up there. Um, we've lost a number of times up there in heartbreak heartbreaking fashion. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, is this not our third or fourth straight game up there? It's been a while since they've been in Salt Lake. I want to say, was it was it the game day when last time they were down here? They, they did play in Salt Lake, I believe, in 2018 when they beat us, and then we ended up seeing them in the Pac-12 title game that year. Um, that was when uh, um, Barton famously said, uh, "We'll see them in the in the Pac-12 title game again," and we all mm. kind of thought, "Oh, sure, sure." Yeah. And sure enough, I stand corrected. Sure enough, we did. But we did, we I think this will be our third our third straight game up there because of COVID. We played back to back up there and haven't played them since. So that's definitely unfortunate. But um, they they have uh, uh, you know potentially the Heisman front runner. Um, they're dynamic offensively. They're at home, and we're going up there. Again, without a cam rising, we're going up there with Bryson Barnes and a team that is just absolutely slaughtered with injuries. Um, do we have a chance? Absolutely. You never count out Kyle Whittingham or this Utah team, especially this Utah defense. But it's going to take an absolute incredible showing for, for Utah to win this game, I think. And, and probably even to keep it close. When you look at the ASU game with them, I mean, ASU was 
creating turnovers. I think that's what really going to come down to. Utah's defense is good enough um, that when they show out, they're going to be able to keep Utah in this game. But I think the offense is going to need a lot of help from this defense in, in turnovers, and I think multiple turnovers by the defense, and maybe even I mean a, a score by the defense or special teams. Yeah, the, the, the corners are going to get tested big time this this weekend um they've got some pretty prolific wide receivers and and i mean not only that their their running back went off against usc um not that that's saying much we all know how great of a defense usc has um but uh, especially the secondary they're they're going to get tested and if if they can you know if they can play coverage for a few seconds and let the D line get some pressure on him. He, they could force him into some mistakes. You ASU had, had great success against uh, Penix did not throw a, uh, a touchdown against them. Um, he held, he held them in check. I think what they only scored, was it seven or 10 offensive points in that game? Um, and they blitzed him all night long. And I think, that's a game plan right there. It worked once. Does Scally try and duplicate that? Does he? Um, because Kyle Whittingham said today, this offensive line will be one of the best that we've seen. So can our front four consistently on their own get to Penix and make life difficult for him? I don't know. So it'll be interesting to see what game plan Scally has in store. But I think you're going to have to pressure Penix all night long and make him uncomfortable. Because otherwise, if he has all night in that pocket, with uh, with those wide receivers, sorry. Good night, Utah. Everybody that's listening, go sacrifice a chicken or something in on behalf of our defensive backs. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and get our picks in for this game. So Utah's traveling to face Washington Huskies. Uh, the spread actually opened up for ten and a half for Washington. It's actually slowly moved down towards Utah as we're recording this. Washington's an eight and a half point favorite. Scott, we'll kick it over to you first. Who do you got and what's your score? Yeah, on this one, oof, I want to pick the Utes. It would be sweet to go up there and keep this keep the hope alive for a third straight Pac-12 title. But man, I just I. I don't know that I see it. I think Utah is going to keep it close, but I think ultimately uh, UW wins this, pulls pulls away late. Um, I got UW with the with the score of uh, thirty five, Utah twenty seven. Right, where are you going? I'm kind of falling in line with Scott. I do think the Utes make it a little bit competitive, but can't uh, can't sustain it uh, being. Down so many players, being on the road, being Washington, uh, having such a good team. I think uh, think the Utes go down to the Huskies 34-24. Dude, you guys are a bunch of downers. Utah still has a chance for Vegas. Okay, hey Ryan, I think this is the part of the podcast where we hold hands. <laughs> <laughs> if Utah can win out... And then get some help along the way. Utah can still win their third Pac-12 championship. You're right. They can. I think I just said that. I don't 
I don't see it happening, guys. Oh, <laughs> as much oh as I gosh. want to. What are you, Lee Corso over here? To, as much as I believe in the pig farmer, I think going on the road to Seattle, it's a, it's a little too much to ask of this team right now. I got the Huskies 31-24. Ryan, where can people find you on Twitter? At Drum and Feather. Drum, the letter N, Feather. And Scott? Yeah, you can find me at Man underscore forever. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Utah Man Podcast. You can catch us at our home at utahmanpodcast.com. And anywhere you listen to a podcast, we are there. And hopefully Utah gets a win over, over Washington. We're all wrong. And Scott, I, I can't believe I'm going to say this. I hope you feel better. If you want to send... If you want to send Scott some chicken noodle soup, we'll put out his we'll put out his address. You can go deliver it to him and go Utes. I can't, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I hope you feel better. I can I can feel the love, Cam. I can feel it. Oh my goodness! Yeah, chicken noodle soup, um, back massage. Um, in a meadow in a meadow any any of those will do guys <laughs> well not from guys but you know what i mean <laughs> all right go utes go utes go utes will be tell i die kai yai, which could be tonight go utes <laughs>